0: okay that is dirty deeds done dirt cheap although i think peter schweitzer has found out that some of the dirty deeds that we have in our country are they're done at a price right peter good morning
1: hey good morning sue how are you
0: it is great to talk to you we got to see you out in cleveland in the enchanted basement where all the uh all the players from breitbart were together do you remember that? <laughs>
1: I do. I absolutely do. It's uh, it's uh, great to talk again.
0: Such a such an odd situation and everybody from there uh, went on to uh, wield some side of, some sort of power and influence and you write about the powerful and influential in the new book Secret Empires. I guess the cover is the foreshadowing of the people in the book and I uh, I guess there's no sacred cows by party in this thing, right? You go after Democrats and Republicans.
1: Yeah. You know, what we do in the research is we follow the money. And uh, what we expose in the new book is uh, the new corruption. You know, the corruption we think of is, you know, remember the congressman, Congressman Jefferson, who had the $90,000 in his freezer. Uh, They call them uh, cold, hard cash Jefferson. Um, Well, this is the new uh, corruption. The amounts of money are a lot bigger. Uh, It's a lot harder to find and detect. And uh, so Secret Empires is is a problem that exists in both political parties. And it's an example of how how power corrupts and how uh, the leadership in this country is being corrupted by these self-enrichment schemes.
0: Well, let's start out at talking about uh, Mitch McConnell and his wife. And a lot of people probably don't even realize that uh, McConnell's wife is also a major player in Washington.
1: Yeah, Mitch McConnell, the Senate Majority Leader, Senator from Kentucky. His wife is Elaine Chao. Uh, She uh, was the Labor Secretary in the George W. Bush administration, is now the Transportation Secretary in the um, Trump administration. And uh, this is a a prime example of the sort of uh, corruption that we're talking about. Essentially, what's happened over the last 20 years is that uh, Mitch McConnell's family, uh, that would be Elaine Chao's father and sister, um, have uh, made an enormous amount of money, having been set up in business, essentially, uh, by the Chinese government. Uh, the Chinese government, uh, they have a shipping business. Uh, the Chinese government builds all their ships. It finances the construction of those ships. They provide the crews for those ships. And they also provide contracts. Uh, a lot of this uh, government-owned companies uh, do business with the Chows. And what's basically happened is that uh, Mitch McConnell has been a direct beneficiary of this because he has been given gifts by uh, his father-in-law, James Chow, uh, to the tune of between 5 and $25 million. We, we only know the range. And the problem is, uh, Sue, when you track this um, and look at this business relationship developing, you see at the same time that Mitch McConnell's positions on China have become increasingly soft uh, and this is really what the Chinese methodology is, is they, they seek these commercial ties, they enrich the families of American politicians, and then what they want in return, of course, is favorable treatment, whether it's issues related to trade or the South China Sea. And I think the strategy is working.
0: What kind of agenda might be going on, Peter, regarding uh, the, the president's stance on tariffs then? Uh, what might be going on behind the scenes?
1: Well that's a great question Sue um I actually have a chapter in the book uh, on on the Trump family uh that you know we don't have any uh deals there's been no deals uh that we found um connected with uh, the Chinese government as we found with Mitch McConnell we also found it with Joe Biden and his family but in the chapter we do quote Chinese officials who have been very candid in saying that look that that, that you know Trump has staked out a a very um Strong position on trade, on tariffs, on technology transfer, on the South China Sea and, and the Chinese flexing their military muscle, uh, and they're very explicit. The way they're going to deal with this is they're going to offer sweetheart deals to his kids in the hopes that by doing so, um, they will encourage him to go softer. Um, so that is the strategy, and based on the success they've had with McConnell and with the Bidens, uh, you know, they're, they're, uh, they're hoping that they're going to have more success here.
0: Well, let's talk about the scrappy kid from Scranton, Joe Biden, and uh, some of <laughs> some of the things that are are going on uh, with with his family. And I guess it's uh, his son Hunter, correct?
1: That's right. Uh, so uh, Joe Biden uh, has two sons, Beau Biden, who uh, tragically passed away uh, from, uh, from cancer. And Joe Biden has talked uh, uh, quite a bit about that and the fact that it's had. This is the other son, Hunter Biden. Um, and really, all you really need to know is that in December of 2013, Joe Biden, as vice president, flies to Beijing, China, aboard Air Force Two. And on the plane with him is his son, Hunter Biden. Uh, Joe Biden goes there to discuss, you know, these issues we always seem to have with China, trade, military advancement, North Korea, et cetera. And he's criticized by the press and by allies in the region for being pretty soft uh, on Beijing, for, for essentially rolling over. Well, 10 days after they return from Beijing, his son, Hunter Biden, scores a $1 billion private equity deal, that's billion dollars with a B, private equity deal with the Chinese government, not not with the Chinese bank, not with a Chinese uh, company or an American company in China, with the Chinese government, and What's so troubling about this is not only the amount of money, but the fact that Hunter Biden has no background in private equity. I mean, there's simply no reason why he would get this deal. And his business partner in this billion-dollar Chinese uh, deal uh, is a guy who uh, is uh, very close uh, to the Kerry family, a guy named Devin Archer, who was the finance chairman uh, of his 2004 campaign and is... Uh, You know, was best friends with um, Chris Hines, who is the stepson of John Kerry. So the Chinese essentially ink this deal. There are several others involving these same uh, people. But they basically ink a deal with the kids of the Vice President of the United States and the Secretary of State, and they, again, I would argue, get favorable treatment in return for doing so. It's, it's, a, it's a brilliant and very uh, uh, you know, troubling strategy that we see the Chinese are employing, and American political families are getting rich, and the Chinese are advancing their interests by doing this.
0: This seems to be uh, unethical, Peter, but is there anything you know, that goes beyond the ethics of this?
1: Well, it is It is absolutely corrupt uh, to its core. The question is, you know, what does the law say? Um, the law says that, you know, a bribe is a bribe. Whether if I'm trying to bribe you, whether I give you the money or I give the bribe to your kid or to your spouse, it's still a bribe if we can show that there is this exchange that takes place, that I'm basically staking out positions or giving you something in return for the money. That's a very hard thing to prove. Um, I think that certainly uh, what's happened warrants serious investigation. What I also call for in the book, though, is a real simple, basic thing that I think, you know, 99 percent of the American people would agree on. And that is these deals at least need to be disclosed. I mean, think about this for a second. Take the Biden example. If Joe Biden gets a fifteen hundred dollar campaign contribution, he's required to disclose it. If he has $1,500 in general electric stock, he is required to disclose it because of concerns, you know, about conflict of interest. But if his son scores a billion-dollar deal with the Chinese government... There's no disclosure requirements. That's outrageous, and I think that needs to be changed. So what we need to do is at a minimum change the laws to require disclosures that if you've got family members of politicians, I don't care if you're the vice president, the Senate majority leader, and they are doing deals with foreign governments, That needs to be disclosed because voters need to know about it, and I think that if we're concerned about a $1,500 campaign contribution affecting our politicians, we ought to be concerned about billion-dollar private equity deals going to their kids.
0: Do you feel that you would be uh, sort of trying to tip over a big old windmill on this one, though, because you're looking at some of these big power brokers in the government, and it, it seems that, that that's become part of almost the accepted culture of Washington. Do you think that the, the that these folks would be willing to police themselves? I think there are
1: enough um, people uh, that would support this. I mean, look, there, there's no question there are a lot of people uh, engaged in corrupt actions in Washington, D.C. I also think there are people on both sides of the aisle that, that earnestly uh, don't like this. Uh, I might not agree with uh, you know, the, those people politically, but they would agree that this kind of behavior is outrageous. And, you know, we've had some experience in this. I wrote a book called Throw Them All Out back in 2011. It was featured on 60 Minutes, and we exposed insider trading on the stock market by members of Congress. People were so outraged Congress was forced to change the laws, to change the disclosure requirements, you know change some of the restrictions on their behavior. Um, so they will do it if they feel that their job, that their access to being in office is in jeopardy. Um, they will make the changes necessary. and again, I, I can't imagine, who would, could make a legitimate argument to say uh, that, that, you know, you should not disclose these sorts of things? The American people need to know who has uh, access to the wallets of our politicians and who is making them wealthy.
0: Yeah, this does seem to fall underneath uh, something like a quid pro quo which uh, where we yep. live, we live, Peter, has actually come into play in in court, and actually there has been that sort of activity done in court due to quid pro quo activity where we live because we live in the um, the cradle of nepotism here. So we know what you're talking about very very well. It happens on all levels of government.
1: It does. I mean, you know, and this is the, the issue. I always tell people this, this corruption should not be a red issue. It should not be a blue issue. It's a green issue. It's about money. And when you give people power, uh, you are going to have people that are tempted to cut corners and, and enrich themselves. And the longer they stay in public office, I think the more powerful the temptation becomes. And it allows them this strategy that, that I'm describing in Secret Empires. They really are creating secret secret financial empires that are not protected. So you can have a guy like Joe Biden who says, you know, oh, basically, I didn't make any money off of public service, but his son was set up uh, and his son made a killing. And and that's going to redound to Joe Biden's benefits. Um, so, you know, this sort of thing I think is, is, is a bipartisan issue. It's part of the systematic problem we have in Washington, D.C. They have a lot of accumulated power. They have a lot of ability to help people or to hurt people. And that power gives them the ability to leverage it for their own financial benefit and for the benefit of their families. And that's got to stop.
0: What's going on uh, with President Obama in your book?
1: Well, this is a different uh, corruption strategy, um, but it's, uh, I think, one that's just as troubling. It's called smash and grab, is, is what this strategy is. And uh, it involves uh, Barack Obama and his best friend, the best friend that very few people uh, have heard of, a guy named Marty Nesbitt. Uh, they traveled when he was in the White House. They traveled together all the time to Hawaii, uh, played basketball together all the time. And basically it worked like this. Um, when uh, Barack Obama was reelected, Um, His best friend, Marty Nesbitt, set up an investment uh, fund called Vistria, uh, and Vistria was designed to, in its own words, invest in, quote-unquote, highly regulated industries, end quote, which is an interesting business model, um, but it works if your best friend happens to be the regulator-in-chief. And to just give you one example of how it would work, um, the Obama administration would go in uh, and, and deem that a company or an industry um, was not good, uh, that was not uh, beneficial. So they went after, for example, the University of Phoenix, which is a for-profit uh, university, has campuses all around the country. Uh, the Obama administration said, you know, this, this school's not serving people very well. We're not sure that we want the Pentagon to put GI Bill dollars so soldiers can go to this school. Uh, so we're going to suspend that. Uh, and they did. And you can imagine the effect it had on the company. The company's share prices went from about $100 a share down to $3 a share. Well, guess at this point who steps in and buys the company at $3 a share? That would be Marty Nesbitt, Barack Obama's best friend. And once he buys it, the Obama administration reverses course and says, you know what? We think maybe it's not such a bad idea for the GI Bill money to flow to the school. Uh, So they allow the money to flow. And, of course, the valuation of the company increases. So uh, Barack Obama would smash the company, driving down its valuations, his friend would come in and buy it for pennies on the dollar uh, and then have that regulatory weight lifted. And this is a pattern of behavior uh, that involves a cluster of people around Barack Obama. Uh, this happened in the coal industry. That ha- this happened with payday lenders. It, it happened with numerous companies, and sometimes it involved people with big names, people like George Soros, for example, uh, Tom Steyer, the, uh, uh, the big environmentalist billionaire, who would, uh, believe it or not, you know, go in and buy coal companies for pennies on the dollar because they had been smashed by Barack Obama. And it, it, it can be a very, very lucrative and effective way to enrich your friends.
0: This is amazing stuff, Peter. I'm glad that you continue to do this kind of research and and find these things out, because I I like the fact that they're brought to the surface. Now I guess it's up to the people who read Secret Empires to demand some sort of action on this, and I I hope that they do. I, I know that when you do a thing like this, you take a chance, but I hope they do back you up on it.
1: Well, yes, thank you. I think it's so important for people not only to, uh, you know, be informed and know what's going on. Uh, you know, they're going to get uh, angry about it. That's the reaction I usually get uh, from these books. I got that from Clinton Cash, and I'm getting that uh, from this book. We're number two on all of Amazon, so it certainly is, uh, has hit a big nerve. But, yes, the key thing, then is to reach out to your decision makers. I've gotten the last chapter of the book some actual solutions. Greater disclosure. I call for a Washington Corrupt Practices Act. Act, which is uh, mirrored on the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act. So there are things that we can do, and if our elected officials know and realize that people uh, are, are demanding action, they will be forced to take action. That's That's been the experience in the past.
0: Thank you, Peter. We always appreciate our time with you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely.